This is Reset. I'm Michael Puente, in for Sasha and Simons. Every Monday, we check in on the latest COVID news and guidance. And right now, with allergies and influenza combined with multiple COVID variants, it's getting harder to figure out if your sore throat is a symptom of COVID-19 or just a seasonal flu. Coronavirus cases are creeping up in Illinois. So today, we're digging into at-home testing and other things to watch for with infectious disease specialist, Dr. Mia Teramina. Dr. Teramina, welcome back. So we were saying that, you know, the positivity rate is 2.3%. And in Illinois, Illinois reported about 2,300 new cases on Friday. Is there any, any con- like, not, not only concern, but what is causing that uptick right now? I think some of the uptick that we're seeing is because we do have some new circulating variants and we are seeing some breakthrough infections, but also we're in the midst of spring break travel, a lot of gathering with family and friends, and anytime we have a lot of people getting together, doing things that they enjoy, uh, there's going to be that possibility of virus being able to be spread. So for the first time in over a month, we are seeing statewide case counts tick over 2,000. We hadn't seen that in a while. Nothing is showing me that we're going to have some overwhelming surge, but we are seeing these ripples of new cases and numbers that will kind of ebb and flow uh, over the months to come here until we reach likely the fall, uh, where we will see numbers probably come up a little more substantially. You know, as the new cases have been reported, are hospitalizations going up? We're not really seeing hospitalizations coming up significantly. There's always going to be those who are vulnerable to a more severe illness and infection. But fortunately, we are seeing a lot of those most vulnerable folks fully vaccinated, boosted, and accessing available therapeutics as quickly as possible, including some of our oral therapeutics and our monoclonal antibody therapies uh, that are still working well and preventing these severe hospitalizations and deaths. So I do have a handful of patients in the hospital currently, but nothing like what we've seen before. You know, before we get into the at-home testing, I did want to ask you, like, there might be some people out there who never got the, uh, the, uh, some of the, the shots, the, uh, um, what do you, what do you recommend to people? I mean, say they say they have avoided getting COVID up to this point, should they still get vaccinated? Uh, they should still get vaccinated. Uh, certainly there are people that may have had an asymptomatic case of COVID at some point that afforded them some antibody protection, and they may not know that they've ever had it. We also are looking scientifically at a number of patients that may just simply not get COVID, and that's likely the reality for many viral infections where individuals just have immune systems that don't respond in a way that causes them to be symptomatically infected by some of these circulating viruses. We know now, more than two years into this, that our biggest you know, weapon that we have against the combat of COVID is going to be to be fully vaccinated and boosted, so up to date on your vaccine series. So if you've been lucky enough to avoid symptomatic COVID, but especially if you have risk factors, vaccination remains the critical step that we need because even those asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic cases are opportunities for more variants to form, which can eventually cause us to backpedal significantly. Sure. Well, Dr. Teramina, can you tell us how capable at-home tests are at detecting, say, the Omicron variant and BA2? So our at-home tests are very good at detecting 
you know, when you have symptomatic COVID and when you have highly contagious COVID. What needs to happen for an antigen test to be positive is you have to have enough virus in your system to actually have, you know, the nucleocapsular shell of the virus present because that's what the antigen test is going to respond to. So to take an antigen test when you've had an exposure and have no symptoms, there is certainly a chance that you're going to miss the possibility of a positive test or something that will develop symptoms in a couple of days. So if you've had a high-risk exposure, wait at least five days to test yourself if you have no symptoms. If you develop symptoms and you're not sure if you've got COVID or if you've got allergies or if you've got flu or something else and you have an at-home COVID test handy, when you're symptomatic or maybe the next day, that's going to be the best time to test to see if you indeed are COVID positive. Now, make no mistake, these tests are not 100%. So if you're feeling unwell, you need to stay home regardless of those test results. We don't want to be spreading anything right now. But the tests are very, very good, again, when you're symptomatic and when you're contagious with COVID. Now, doctor, when do you recommend getting an in-person test versus an at-home one? So I think the fact that we can get a hold of at-home testing for free, um, right now we're up to being able to get eight tests per household, the original four, and then we were able to get four additional tests. I think trying to keep on hand in your home a test for everybody in the household is a good rule of thumb. Also, bear in mind, take a look at those expiration dates because they do expire, so make sure you're using those ones that are going to expire first when you do need to take an at-home test. I think at-home tests are great as a screening tool if you've had a higher risk exposure but remain asymptomatic. I think that screening tests are great if you're having some symptoms and want to kind of tease out if this may be COVID or not. I think it's important to have a PCR test or hospital test if the results you're getting from your at-home COVID test aren't making sense. If you feel you have all the symptoms of COVID, but your test keeps returning negative, that might be an indication to speak with your doctor and talk to them about getting a PCR test, which might be a little better at detecting COVID uh, as the gold standard. Dr. Taramina, how soon should people test after symptoms start to show up? So when symptoms show up, all testing is pretty darn good at capturing a positive at that moment. But if you can wait, if you're going to be home because you're feeling unwell, presume you have COVID or, you know, something that is contagious because you're going to be staying home anyways. And maybe waiting a day to test is going to give us that best capture because that's when you're going to have more of that active virus in your system. But usually when you become symptomatic, that's a good time to test if you have the ability to wait another day, even better uh, a chance of capturing that positive. Right, right. Well, let's say someone really doesn't have COVID, they just have the flu. What type of precautions should they take? You know, we almost forget about, you know, routine flu precautions that we've used in the past. A good rule of thumb, by my view, for most influenza is a significant de-escalation in symptoms, staying home for around 72 hours and making sure you're at least 24 hours fever-free before you kind of go back and get out there. It's also very reasonable since we've learned in the last two years how well masks work at stopping the spread of respiratory droplets. So if you're recovering from influenza, very reasonable to go ahead and get that mask back on for a couple of days after you get back out.
factor. But even if you feel better right quick after influenza, it's about 72 hours that I would still plan on staying home and staying away from other people. And again, making sure you're fever-free for at least 24 hours before you get back into the general public. If you're just tuning in, I'm Michael Puente in for Sasha Ann Simons, and we're speaking with Dr. Teramina. She's an infectious disease specialist, specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Doctor, a lot of folks, as you mentioned, are traveling right now for spring break. More will be traveling in the months to come. I got to ask for those who maybe want an extra layer of protection before they book, what does, what's the latest on getting a second booster shot? So for most people, um, getting a second booster shot is a consideration, especially if you have underlying health care comorbidities. So folks age 50 and up are eligible to get second boosters. That's of our non-immune suppressed population. Our immune suppressed population has already been eligible for a fourth dose for some time. If you are a healthy, active, fully vaccinated person over age 50, certainly you can speak with your doctor about risk factors, but you're at less risk of, of having an overwhelming clinical illness from uh, Omicron, and the vaccines are likely doing a very good job of keeping those folks out of the hospital. But one-third of Americans over age 50 have significant health issues, diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and those individuals may consider getting a fourth dose, especially if you're over 65 with additional health issues. That's going to be our highest risk population. Now, it is possible if you elect to get a fourth dose now that we might need another dose this fall. I think for the rest of us that may have received our third doses in September or October, I think we're all looking at the long-term probability that we're going to need a booster this fall, if not sooner. But Mm -hmm. uh, not everyone needs to rush out and get one right now. Right. And Dr. Terramina, we only have a couple of minutes. What can you tell us about where Illinois is at with contract tracing? Is that even still happening? You know, it's happening like on a case-by-case and site-by-site basis. So it's not overwhelmingly happening on a day-to-day where we're contacting people and, and going through all the steps that we did very early on. But in the context of, say, a, a business or a healthcare facility or someplace that we start to see a cluster of infections, several positives in a short period of time, a daycare setting, something along those lines, that's when it does become appropriate to notify those close contacts at the period of time that the individual is likely most contagious to kind of do a bit of contact tracing so we have identified our most vulnerable that might uh, go ahead and experience symptoms themselves. You know, Doctor, we got less than a minute. Before I let you go, what resources would you like to see Congress allocate in terms of COVID resources? You know, we're getting to the point in this pandemic where funding is not necessarily what it was when we were at our peaks. We are going to eventually not have funding for free testing for all. We're not going to have funding for free vaccines for all, potentially. And some of these treatments might not be as well funded. My hope, sincerely, is that when and if we have another variant, when and if we have another surge, that there is allocations for funds as appropriate to rapidly be able to test for free and to vaccinate for free as many folks as we can because that's going to be how we get through these surges as best as possible. And that's infectious disease specialist Dr. Mia Teramina. Dr. Teramina, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Michael.